You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It is Monday the 29th of August, Bank Holiday Monday. Tom Stanley in for Nick Luck. I'll be joined shortly by newsboy of the Daily Mirror, David Yates, and we have plenty on the agenda. We will hear from Ross Coakley a little bit later on, who won his first group race in Germany yesterday, received a 23-day ban for overuse of the whip in doing so. He has some interesting points with regard to that. We'll hear from Steve Asmussen about Epicenter and, and Jackie's Warrior. Uh, Godolphin USA are along to talk about Cody's Wish. What a fabulous story that is. Uh, and plenty more besides. We start, though, with the big news in the UK, well, in the UK, in Ireland and in France, that Baid will not go to Ireland for Irish Champions Weekend, but instead will contest one more race this season. It will either be the ARC or the Kipco British Champion Stakes. First things first, let's hear what William had to say yesterday. This is a recorded message he sent out to all media. Uh, This is an update on Baid and our plans with him. Uh, First of all, Baid is in great form, has been really good since York. Everyone's very happy with him um, and uh, very pleased with his condition and his well-being. Having had long discussions with uh, Sheikha Hissa, Angus and... Richard, we've come to the conclusion that he will have one more race this season and that will not sadly be in the uh, Royal Bahrain Irish Champion Stakes uh, and will either be in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe or the Kipco Champion Stakes. A decision will be made uh, closer to the time. Obviously, he's not in the arc, so he will need to be supplemented but we are not keen to run him on bad ground in Paris. So if the ground is nice, there is a strong chance he will go there. Uh, otherwise, he will wait for the champion stakes and run there, whatever. It was there from William Haggis. Confirmation, I should say, David Yates, that the horse will have one more run this season. Longchamp or Ascot, but not Leopardstown. Your thoughts? When we spoke to William Haggis the day after... Bayed's victory in the Judmont International. Indeed, it was on the Nick Luck Daily uh, that William Haggis uh, revealed the three races. I think that in the immediate aftermath of the victory at York, he spoke of the champion stakes, the Kipco champion stakes at Ascot on October the 15th. Obviously, there was discussion about the art, which he which he batted away, as he had done previously. Then the next day, on the Nick Luck Daily, he spoke about the Irish champion stakes, there being a big gap between the Judmont International and the Kipco champion stakes at Ascot. And he introduced that race as a possibility. He said, when we spoke to him, the, the written press spoke to him in the in the the wake of Nick breaking that story, he said that the arc was the outsider of the three. There were three options at the time. One was the champion stakes at Ascot. Another was the arc. And the third one was both the champion stakes. So Leopardstown and Ascot. There wouldn't be Leopardstown and Longchamp, for example. So those were the three alternatives. At the time, William Haggis said that 
the arc was the outsider of the three. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of public debate over the last week or so, and it was a, a really instructive piece of audio that yesterday and when you're listening to it you're obviously looking for the uh, for the quotes that you can take out and put in the introduction of your piece and a strong chance or strong chance really are the words that absolutely leap out at us that there is a strong chance that if the ground at Longchamp is okay that Baid will end his career there and that does represent a change I, I was I was a bit mystified by that piece on the Racing Post website yesterday about William Haggis's change in positions. Well, you know, it, it's it's an evolving situation, uh, which uh, includes discussions with Shaker Hissa and the racing managers, Angus Gold and Richard Hill. So uh, connections are, are, are perfectly entitled to look at different races and look at them in different ways as time goes on. For the racing public, there's no doubt that the Prix de l'Art de Triomphe is the race that we would like to see Baid in. Um, we think of the the Irish Champion States this year is a very deep one. We know that. Uh, but also, in, in most people's minds, if you said to... I think any fan of flat racing, which race would you rather have the trophy uh, for? Which race would you rather win? The champion stakes at Ascot or Newmarket as it was, or the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe at Longchamp. And I, I think it would it would take uh, even the, the most ardent patriot would say, I'd rather go to Paris and win what is a, a race that we always refer to as, as Europe's middle distance championship. And of course, it's... It means that Baid does something that many great horses, including Frankel, didn't do. And that is not only was he a star at a mile and 10 furlongs, but he ended his career in as far as Europeans would be concerned, the ultimate blaze of glory in the French capital on the first Sunday in October. Yeah. And yet my initial response to the news wasn't excellent. The horse might run, Baid might run in the in the arc. It was what a shame he's not going to go to Ireland and run in what looked on paper like the the absolute race of the season. And and something which Nick and Jane argued on the podcast last week, on paper, perhaps looked a, a stronger race, not necessarily a more difficult test for Baid because he'll be going into the unknown in the arc if he runs there. But on paper, that looked an in incredibly strong renewal. So I'm a little sad he's not going to line up in the Irish Champion Stakes itself. I think that's a very fair point. Um, we would, I think, acknowledge that Vidani has been the, the 10 furlong star of uh, 2022. And his connections have always said that they believe that um, a mile and a quarter is the limit of his stamina so that the arc doesn't come under consideration for him. I think it's fair to say that it's a stronger race. The Nick and I were talking about the... Uh, the position with the arc last week and and I, I wound the clock back to June and there are all those horses who appeared to be well, to, at that time would have been towards the front of the betting for the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe um, the likes of Desert Crown I remember Emily Upjohn became favourite for the arc moments after her defeat in the Oaks at Epsom of course Westover too after his seven length romp in the Irish Derby at the Curragh. Those are all horses who, at one time or other, would have been either 
towards the front of the betting for the arc or actually directly at the head of it um but they're either not going to go to Longchamp or they will go there with some question marks over them so yes it is true that uh, on paper that the Irish champion stakes may be uh, a tougher race to win than the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe but um in terms of Baid's legacy to 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 begin his career by uh, by well moving up to to group 1 level over a mile and treating his opposition with disdain then going up to 10 at york and beating the reigning title holder mishriff in such devastating style on the Knavesmire and then to go up to 12 furlongs and win the arc you know this is surely the uh the crowning glory of this exceptional career um of course there is a a, 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 a there is a consideration that might just be at the back of William Haggis's mind and that is well if we did go to Longchamp rather than to Ascot, uh, that's money that wouldn't go towards my push for a first trainer's title. Well, a brilliant performance from Cody's Wish at the the weekend, beating long odds on shot Jackie's Warrior. But uh, it wasn't just the, the performance um, that, that comes with Cody's Wish and that always comes with Cody's Wish because it's very much the story of this Godolphin cult as well. A, a bit of background, if, if anyone isn't aware, Cody's Wish is named after young Cody Dorman who suffers from a, a rare genetic disorder and this all came about in 2018 where Godolphin sponsored the Dorman family at Keeneland's Make-A-Wish Day. Um, one man that was there to, to see them form this, this special bond and which led to the horse... Cody's Wish being named after Cody Dorman was Danny Mulverhill, who's the, the farm manager at Gainsborough. Um, Danny, we'll come to the performance, but the, the, the story that comes with this horse is, is just fabulous. So give us some background as to how it all came about. So, yeah, as you said, Tom, when uh, Cody came out to the farm with his family as part of the Make-A-Wish Day at Keeneland, you know, we get to host the family on the farm for a farm tour, and they came out, and Cody with his condition, he's wheelchair-bound, and, you know, he's non-verbal, and he's a um, fantastic young man, but he came out, and we gave him the farm tour, and as part of it, we came up to our barn of mares and foals, and we pulled out a foal for him to see, and in picking the foal, it was really just a case of the curling coat that is now Cody's wish. He was a, a laid-back, relaxed kind of foal, so we figured that was our best chance of getting the foal up close to Cody. So when we pulled him out of the stall, you know, the foal was, he cooperated in everything we needed to do and he came up and he came close to Cody and put his head in Cody's lap. And you could just see Cody's demeanor change and uh, he, he was very relaxed and very at home with the horse around him. I mean, and that is a wonderful thing and, and we know the power that the, you know, horses have with with humans and, and particularly humans that are that are perhaps, you know, suffering with a with a certain condition. Have you been in touch with them with with regard to, to what happened last night in Saratoga? I'm sure you have. Absolutely. I spoke to Kelly, Cody's dad, this morning. We were texting back and forth all evening following the race. For us, you know, what seems like a fairly small thing to name a horse, the impact that has had on Cody's life and Cody's family is massive. And it gives us great heart just to be a very small part of a story that's unfolded like this. Um, but 
just to take you back a, a, a little step back again where when Cody's wish was two years old uh, Cody went through a bout of depression and he had asked his parents if he could see the horse again so they came to the training centre where Cody's wish was under the care of Johnny Burke and they brought the horse out so this is a year and a half gap in between and the horse put his head down and pulled the handler forward until his head was in Cody's lap again like he remembered who he was and it's very different right when you have a a foal to suddenly a horse that's a year and a half older, a horse that's been in training, a horse that's ready to race. I mean, w- were there any nerves on your part at that moment to think, you know, do you have to pre- prep, prep the family and say, this is a different horse now, guys, this could be different? Well, Kelly, Cody's dad said to me, he said, they took the horse out of the stall when it's two years old, and I had to look, I said, this is not the same horse. And it's because he was a, he's a fully grown cold. And he's a lot to handle. And Johnny at the training centre was very nervous about bringing him too close. He didn't think they were going to be able to get him close to Cody because he's a, at the time he was boisterous. He was in training, and but he did. He just he kept put his head down. He just kept marching forward bit by bit until he was there. And you know, even uh, Kenny McCarthy, one of Bill Mott's assistants, he said that. Cody's wish as a horse is a different horse. He's got a different demeanor when Cody Dorman is around. So, so what is he like when he? What is he like in in training? What's he like uh, around? From your understanding, I, he's just he, he's he's a, a full horse. He's he's boisterous and he, you know, he. I, I was with him this morning after the race yesterday. And he's very laid back this morning, but you know, he can be handful when he wants to go out and he's ready to train. He's all business. Mm. Um, but they brought Cody up to celebrate his birthday at Churchill uh, for Cody's birthday. And, you know, he was the same thing, his head out and over the door. And they could bring Cody right up to him. And there was, they were not concerned one bit because of the way the horse behaves around him. Uh, look, it's fabulous to see and, it, and, it, and to hear about as well. And the fact, obviously, this, this story is made all the greater by the fact that this horse is now a top-level winner and he is seemingly going from strength to strength, Danny. Yeah, it, it makes all the difference. You know, we could have pulled any horse out that day. And what's to say we pulled this horse out? We didn't know at the time that he was going to be anything. You know, who, who knows when they're that young? Um, what level they're going to be? I mean, we hope they all get to that level. But it's just, it's all come together very, very nicely. And I'm delighted for Cody and his family that, you know, this means so much to them. It really does. Um, and it's it's great for the Dorman family. It's great for, for Godolphin USA as well to have to have such a horse. And um, we look forward to following the story and seeing where he goes next. Danny, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Well, no doubt the, the performance of the night came in the, the feature race. They're unhappy Travers in the form of Epicenter, trained by this man, Steve Asmussen. Um, your first Travers, Steve. Well, well done. Did you expect a, a performance of that dominance from Epicenter? Well, absolutely. Uh, Epicenter gives us uh, great confidence, but we felt the exact same walking over for the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. So <laughs> we thoroughly enjoyed the outcome considerably better so what was the what was the difference steve i, I know a different race um you may feel less deeper feel i don't know what what, what was the difference you know circumstances it was just in the right place at the right time and doing well mm. 
but it was um, extremely positive. Has he has he really come forward physically from the start of this season to now? I, schooling on Thursday before the Travers, um, he's always been a striking individual, but the maturity was obvious physically. Just mm-hmm. more of him, extreme. He gives you a tremendous visual as far as athleticism and strength. Mm-hmm. I suppose the the obvious question is is where and what next. My my mind was was drawn to Midnight Bourbon, of course, second in the race last year, and and the way he he went about it internationally. Steve, is that at the forefront of your mind going forward? Right now, you know, this morning, um, just simply admiring, um, extremely comfortable with how he came out of the race, how his attitude is, and we are. Next target is the Breeders' Cup Classic. I, I thought he did a lot for the three-year-old division honors, mm. and now um, we realize what would be at stake with an outstanding group of older males to possibly face in the Breeders' Cup Classic and what success in that race would mean, especially in a year with such brilliant horses out there. Steve, does he does he strike you as a horse who, you know, depending on what happens in a in a classic, does he strike you as a horse who could easily come back to a mile and an eighth and then and then mix it up between those two distances? I, I like I like epicenter at all distances against horses. <laughs> he, he's extremely athletic. He, he never he never doesn't look fast when you're around him, and uh, he is. Oh, got a wonderful uh, state of mind in his approach to training, racing, all th- all things involved. Keeps a, a tremendous a- appetite, attitude, calm when he needs to be calm, aggressive when he needs to be aggressive, and full of himself when he feels like it. It, it feels like talking to you, Steve, that, that, that coming into the race and, and during the race, you, you must have been pretty comfortable the whole way through, right? like that walking into the gates for the Kentucky Derby mm. like he, he's the man and uh, he's going to get it done um, felt that way yesterday walking into the gates for the Travers he was away cleanly he was very confident I do believe obviously success allows you to say it but with his race in the Jim Dandy and his race in the Travers there did seem to be a lot more confidence in Epicenter himself in the middle of the race. Yeah, in, in the horse, in the horse. He, 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 exactly. He looked to be comfortable with where he was at. Mm. I think, you know, in the in the Derby, considerably further back than he'd ever been used to at any point, and the, the volume of dirt and stuff. I think that that, was, that and the Preakness really seemed to mature him in a fact in the way, and it showed up in the way that his action was consistent when he wasn't on the lead. It was a, a hugely dominant performance. Now, we expected a dominant performance for, from Jackie's Warrior, and it, and it wasn't to be, and, and I guess that's racing. How do you reflect on that, Steve? Absolutely. I mean, Jackie's Warrior ran the second highest buyer he's ever run in his life and met a freak performance by Cody's Wish. You know, 
the situation being is no matter what you do, you have no control on how fast the other horse runs. Mm -hmm. And for uh, Cody's wish is buyer being 112 matching what Epicenter's Travers buyer was, that's the kind of performance it took to beat Jackie's Warrior yesterday. But all the credit needs to go to Cody's wish in that regard. He did it. I mean, the race itself came home seven-eighths of a mile on the dirt at Saratoga, a racetrack with a tremendous, you know, with a, a, an amount of soil on it. The horse comes, Cody's Wish probably came home in 35-1 and one in the seven-eighths race. That, that's the kind of effort it takes to beat Jackie's Warrior. But Cody's Wish did it, and he is the winner. You know, I, it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear um, that when a, when a horse... At the odds he was he was at gets beaten. You know, I, I think we sometimes think did the did the favorite run up to run up to scratch? You look at the figures and you say, "Yep, no excuses. Better horse on the day we were beaten by." I, I, I've always said it, dude. They're so sure of the outcome they'll let you bet on it. I mean, we're, we're talking uh, what what a scenario. You know, Jackie's Warrior gets beat by Cody's Wish. I didn't see that race in Cody's Wish. Mm. We're, I didn't see Rich Strikes Derby in Rich Strikes. But, you know, on the on the Derby Day. But yesterday, Epicenter gets the chance to show who he is on a great stage. And Jackie's Warriors still has the Breeders' Cup to prove who he is. And I'm nothing but confident that Jackie will do that. Steve, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks for your time. All right, thank you. Well, Ross Coakley joins me now. It's been a, an excellent season in the UK for Ross. Uh, he had his first listed win this year, and he's got his first group win as well, a, a group three at Baden-Baden yesterday, which has been somewhat overshadowed by a 23-day ban handed out to the rider for overuse of the whip. Ross joins me now. Uh, I've just watched the, the race, Ross, for the first time this morning, m Monday morning. I can clearly count you using the stick four times, um, once in the backhand in your right hand, and then you pull your stick through and, and use it in the forehand three times in your left. The The German stewards have deemed that you use the, the stick nine times, and the key difference from what we see here day in, day out in with, with regards to stewards' deliberations and what the German stewards have, have seen is, is you're using the stick um, whilst your hand is on the reins down... The, the the horse's shoulder, which initially I, I I couldn't count, but I see where they're coming from. But but what's your sort of overriding feeling this morning? Now the dust has settled. Oh yeah, morning, Tom. Um, yeah, look, it's Tom. You you said a very um, bitter pill to swallow on what was a, a great day overall. Um, look, I was I was well. I was well aware of the rules going out. I I had spoken to Jack Mitchell, who who rides a lot out in Germany in the in the days leading up, and I, I shared a lift with Fanny Norton from the Frankfurt Airport and the, the stewards. But you know, so I was it wasn't the case that I was I was unaware of the rules, um, and I felt through the race. You know, I was it was very conscious in my mind through the race about five being the limit, um, and it was you know again it was it was emphasized that. Giving them a, a flip, giving them a, a using it down the shoulder while your hand is on the race would be counted. So it, it, it was conscious in my mind. Um, so, so you knew? Did you did you did you pull up at the line and think, ah, I'm 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 in trouble here? No, I, I pulled up at the line and I look up. I obviously had made the running. I turned in. There's a big crowd and I'm in my head. I'm I, I'm I'm pushing with my hands, keeping the bit up on his mouth, just encouraging him forward. 
trying to leave it as late as I possibly could to, to turn the stick over, um, knowing that the you know that the can be used up quite quickly, especially if if you start if you, if you give them a one too early and then something's closing on you at the line. Um, so I was very conscious and. I have to be, as you said, I've given him one just at the furlong marker and, and he, he shimmied away from the crowd then. I pulled it through to my left and, and then I, I've given him three more reminders. So at my on my head, I'm pulling up, I've given him four. Um, I was happy of that. I was confident of that. And um, yeah, it was only, there was a lot of ceremony over there after a winner, which, don't get me wrong, was great at the time. Um, it was a great occasion and very enthusiastic crowd and it, you know it was, it was a great day and it was only unfortunately after all that um, I, I got a tap on the shoulder and was, was given the news that um, the stewards deemed I, I, I used the pro push nine times um, which is obviously four over their limit and um, straight away they've taken a large chunk of my prize money as well and, and then that aside um, a 23 day ban is, is nearly you know it's just a, a little short of a month of um Lots of income, and um, you know, during a busy part of the season where there's still a lot of racing, it's um, you know, it's pretty, it's devastating, you know. Um, it's you put in 23 days of lots of income into into anyone's book, and it's, it's on top of your lots of prize money. It's it's um, it's huge. But obviously, the German authorities and very very right to they've taken the approach that they've had to. You know, they, they obviously feel under pressure um, with public perception and this is the the hard, the hard line approach they've taken. Um, whether it's right or wrong, I'd be sceptical of, but, you know, I just think sometimes in these situations, the, the, the it makes the, the wrong headlines because it, it, it makes things seem worse than what they really are. Um, oh. I think the, the, the initial entry point for going one over is something like six or seven days. So, it, you know, it's, automatically it's very extreme. Um, but well, it is what it is, and just look, we just have to move on. It's a, you know... I was sort of looking forward to speaking to you this morning because I did an interview with you last year when you'd just come over and um, and it was a risk for you to come over and, you know, you were wondering where you were going to get support. You've had plenty of support. The likes of Rob Millman, Hugo Palmer have supported you very well. You've had your first listed winner, first group three winner this morning and, you know, it, it's it, it, naturally you're in quite a downbeat mood after the, after the news that the stewards gave out yesterday. I mean, you must look back on what's happened so far this season with, with relative positivity, though. Yeah, but look, um, at the end of the day, I, I, I don't want to take, I don't want this story taken away from the, you know, the, the, the bigger story and that what the headline should be, and that was, you know, Dubai legend, you know, getting winning a group three, most importantly, and um, very thankful for the connections and for Hugo for, for giving me the opportunity, um, especially be, you know, on a, on a on a global a global platform and. Um, Look, it was a very, a very good performance. Uh, he, he, he's, made, you know, he's, he's done it, gone out and posted what I believe was a good time. and has got back on the winning groove, so hopefully he can build on this. And it's, you know, it's platformed him to to have another crack at a couple of big, big, big prizes during the year. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was a good performance, and I think that should be that should be the main story: the fact that the Barry Legend has won Group Three. Um, the other rest should be a, a side, a side note. It's been a great year, and I suppose coming over, you don't really know how quickly things will 
with, with, with snowball or, or how you know um, I just came in with the approach of I'm going to work hard and, and, and try and make the most of every opportunity and but the big help I can't stress enough has been the, the foundation I've had in Rod Millman who's had a great year and that's really that's really you know been my foundation that set me up to to build other contacts with the likes of Hugo who I initially came over to and then um, and Ed Crisford and Ed Walker, you know. So um, obviously I've had a listed winner for, for Ed. That was my, my first one in Glen Artney and Hot Track. And I was, you know, thrilled to get a listed win on a two-year-old for, for Rod as well and Stupid Mistress in Newbury. So, um, yeah, I, I, I probably didn't think that things would, would you know, would, would snowball as quick as they have. But, it's, you know, it's down to the support I've gotten. And hopefully we can we can keep building and progressing. And... Now that you get a, you know, you get a taste of them, you you realise you you want more of them. So something to strive for and keep keep working towards and improving for. Dave, interesting to hear from Jockey Ross Coakley there on on this twenty three day ban handed out to him and and his disappointment at receiving it. Now, I I, I would genuinely urge anyone who hasn't seen the video to to of the race to to go and watch it. Um, I'm not denying, and nor is Ross, that he broke the rules as they are set out in Germany. Uh, however, it's a very, I think, difficult proposition to anyone to watch that race and and see him doing, with regards to gaining an unfair advantage or horse welfare, him doing anything wrong. Is that fair? I, I think it's absolutely fair. And in many ways, it's unfair that uh, Nick Luck Daly listeners are subjected to my views on this uh this situation once again but how the hell did we get to this how did it come to this um i 100% endorse uh your entreaty tom to listeners of this podcast to find the race from baden baden yesterday just search dubai legend Baden Baden, you you don't need to uh, type in the, uh, the the title of the race, and you'll you'll find it easily enough. And anybody who watches that, who watches horse racing, and I'm not I'm not talking about people who are who are opposed to horse racing as a sport and as an industry, and those who think that we shouldn't breed thoroughbreds, that we should consign uh, the breed to history. Um, and, and and that it simply just should not exist. Let's just let's just park that that group of people uh, for one moment. Watch this race, and even I, I cannot see how anybody would be uh, upset or outraged or think that Ross Coakley was doing anything that a jockey is not supposed to do aboard a thoroughbred in order to make that horse win a race it's utterly utterly ridiculous that the german rules are uh, allow for five strikes with the whip again the stupid numbers uh that the bha the world leader in whip stupidity uh introduced after ballad briggs remember those uh nine people wasn't it out of nine million who watched uh, ballad briggs win the 2011 grand national on the bbc and rang to complain um he hits the horse four times. There is absolutely nothing ugly about Ross Coakley does. Uh, the horse is responding uh, to what he is asking him to do and wins the race. The, the, the technicalities arrive here because of what I've always 
referred to as the the AP rule, and that is that when when AP McCoy rode, um, often he would uh, he would flick the horse down the shoulder with his whip without taking his hand from the reins, and that was what const what would constitute a strike when you took your a hand away from the reins to administer a hit with the the Prokush whip. Now in Germany the rules are different, it seems, and that uh, you're not allowed that what is legal in Britain with the old AP thing of the the rather surreptitious flick down the shoulder. The German authorities do take account of that, and that is why Ross Coakley has got a ridiculous twenty three day ban. Um, I I completely chime with the idea there's not much point in appealing because according to the letter of the law uh he was guilty but this is where we are now with this folks and there are going to be many more of these in this country and abroad um it reminds me that that, that it, so many uh racing authorities in the world are, are jostling for position to show themselves to be uh the world leader in uh equine welfare when it comes uh to the whip it reminds me of the companies in britain who put the right logos and colors on their branding and they tell their employees how much they care about their well-being and their mental health but they'll do anything to avoid uh giving them a proper pay rise when i say that i'm not suggesting that the bha don't care about equine welfare i know that it most certainly does but to me, this is a, a case of collective hysteria. Uh, one day and in the in the not too distant future, it will uh, it will squeeze the last breath out of horse racing. And in a domestic sense, when we haven't got a pot uh, in which to, you know what, um, world pool betting, which is seen of seen as the one of the financial saviors of british horse racing soon as punter, punters in japan and hong kong latch on to a horse being disqualified because uh the uh the, the jockey has uh breached the whip rules then they will soon turn their backs on the sport and that's one little um avenue of income that will soon be closed utterly utterly ridiculous uh this is where we've come to now and if anybody who watches horse racing and bets on horse racing is uh, repulsed by that ride of Ross Coakley's aboard Dubai legend at Baden-Baden yesterday. My advice is to uh, ring your local uh, vegan society and just check what time of the week their meetings are. And to tie up some more loose ends on the, the podcast, um, or some, some follow-up news, really, because Jane and Nick touched on this last week. It was the um, response to the ban handed out to Ada McGuinness for failing to present his horse laugh a minute after the, the Rockingham stakes. He was fined €750. Um, he subsequently hit out at the uh, IHRB, uh, an article in the Post, um, where he, you know, as he said initially, he, he said he was to blame for not presenting the horse. Um, but he is annoyed that the IHRB haven't published the pre-race samples that were taken from the horse and, and suggests that they are just, just as much to blame, if not more so than him, for the debacle. What exactly has he said, Dave? Right. Well, uh, Ado McGuinness, this was the, the Rockingham handicap at the Curra on uh, June the 26th. A, a puncture mark 
was noticed on Laugh a Minute by Dr. Lynn Hillier um, when conducting the pre-race tests, which Ada McGuinness uh, said was due to the administration of, of Dufalite uh, the previous evening by his vet. Uh, there then was a, a mix-up post-race when the horse was not presented for uh, further tests. This was, uh, as a result, as you say, Ada McGuinness was given a fine of €750. He accepted responsibility, said that this was down to a, a breakdown in communication. But I do have sympathy with his views here, Tom, um, in that uh, five uh, vials were were taken pre-race. That, that constitutes just one test with regard to laugh a minute. Um, those tests prove negative. And I would have thought really that it's it's... It's in the interest of of horse racing generally, both in Ireland and and indeed anywhere else, that uh, those tests, whether they be positive or negative, are published. It shows horse racing has a, a, a an open house uh, a, a pro to transparency, if you like. And so, I, I I don't see any reason why those negative tests should not have been published. I I I don't necessarily share the view that it's out of some. Uh, some other motive of the IHRB that they haven't done that, but I, I certainly share his frustration. I would have thought that it would be to the benefit of all individuals concerned, the regulator and the sport as a whole, if the results of those tests, which in this case were negative, were to be published. And it was also pointed out to me by Ada's assistant, Stephen Thorne, um, that um, in, in the IHRB anti-doping program document um it, it does state after the running of the race a horse selected by the stewards for sampling will be observed by an ihrb security guard and escorted from the parade ring by the guard back to the stabling area to pick up a bucket and sponge and any other required gear and then onto the veterinary units whereupon the va takes over the supervision of the horse um the the point being that Yes, the horse was not presented by Ado or, or his staff, but equally it would appear um, there was no security guard present to carry out the duty as stipulated in that document. Right. Um, some 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 positive news, I, I guess. Well, it is because Desert Encounter has been retired by David Simcock. What a, a fabulous horse. 51 races, over a million quids worth in, in prize money and earnings, 12 wins, and after the the race at Windsor a couple of days ago, he is to retire. But um, he's been a, an absolute fabulous horse for for all concerned. What an incredible horse he's been! Uh, one in the eye for the the, the National Hunt uh, followers who say that uh, flat horses stick around for a mere five minutes uh, before going off to stud. Well, of course, in Desert Encounters' case. Uh, a stud career is not an option for him by dint of his being a gelding. He didn't go out in a blaze of glory. He was seventh at Windsor on Saturday in the listed August stakes, but he's been an incredible horse and, and one that we we should note that it's not just the, uh, the group three the group group three races that he's won in this race he's twice a winner of Canada's signature race uh, the Canadian international he won that at Woodbine in October 2019 and October 2018 so uh, he's been a, a a phenomenal servant um a real great character for for those of us in horse racing to to watch and to try and uh, work out when uh, he's going to win Dave Simcock as you saw from that interview with Matt 
Chapman on at the races on Saturday evening, and it was quite a an emotional one when he was almost choking back the tears talking about this horse and what an incredible contribution he's made to his own training career and more importantly life uh, within Trillium Place and we wish him a long and happy retirement because it's been some career Desden Counter take a bow Dave you're off to Epsom and you can send us away with a winner I am indeed off to Epsom today and I'm going to the 315 race at the home of the Derby and with number four Wood Eaton. Uh, this horse is trained by Andrew Balding. It was successful over this course and distance two starts ago. Then came wide. It didn't really happen for him when upped in grade at Goodwood last time. But there's quite a lot of pace in this race. And I think that David Probert will take his time before delivering that um, telling late coup de grace. And Wood Eaton will return to winning form in the 315 at Epsom. 315 at Epsom selection is number four, Wood Eaton. Dave, thank you. Thanks for everyone at home for listening. Nick will return to this hot seat tomorrow. Well, not this one because it, it's it's in my house, um, but he'll be at his um, doing this fabulous broadcast. That's been Monday, the 29th of August. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and thoroughbred racing commentary. Mm-hmm.